Hi, nerds. I'm Michael Moore, hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popularity to Nerds. I'm here with Doug Stark, Director of Information Technology at the city of Grand Rapids. Doug, how's it going today? Good. How are you, Michael? Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, I like to start the start these podcasts off with a um, segment we call uh, Random Access Mem- Memories, a little icebreaker segment. Very easy. I ask you a question, and you kind of respond back with the first thing that comes to your head first. Your first question is, what is your least favorite thing to do on a computer? Ooh, least favorite thing to do on a computer. Least favorite thing to do on a computer. Honestly, booking any hotel room. Uh, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just constant, like, yeah. It, I'm it, with you on that. I'm with you on that. I thought you were maybe going to go for, like, paying bills, right? That one. I actually that. prefer it. I actually oh, well, there you go. All right, well, there you go. So... I haven't written a paper check in years. So, I mean, yeah, I actually prefer doing that, but it's just the constant barrage of, you know, I, I always seem to miss a field and you got to go back. It is just, yeah, it's just, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't auto fill correctly. Uh, you know, you get to the end to change the rate on you. And then you're like, well, I, well, I was promised this rate and now I can't go back. To, and, then, to, yeah. and there's no one to talk to because it's all right. automated. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> I, I, I booked one, one time and I got there and uh um and they're like yeah uh we don't have that reservation and i was like but i have this booking i'm like i don't know what to tell you all right so i got the refund but i i was like without a hotel so thanks for the refund but now what am i supposed to do right i'm in a strange place i don't have a hotel what what to do um uh, your second question is uh what do you miss most about the internet prior to modern search engines Prior to modern search engines as well. I missed that little dial tone that it used to make when you connected to AOL. That's oh, it. that was a good dial tone. I, it was so satisfying because it you was. knew if it was going to connect or not in the middle of the, that dial tone. Right. Right. Yeah, you no, would get to the, and then it would get, and you got the little, I don't know, uh, you know, for what did, I always kind of rotated uh, my stuff. I don't know if I told this before on this podcast, but I got kicked off of AOL when I was a kid. Uh, um, so I had to keep rotating, uh, um, you know, different free discs. Yeah, you get the free uh, disc. And you yeah, you just did it in the magazines. So you get them in the magazines, right? And so I was like, copious. But it, so every time I was on AOL, I w- you know, I just watched the guy running. And right. uh, and I got sad because it would stop in the middle and the guy, would, uh, the guy wouldn't stop running again. So you wouldn't. Yeah, it would, it would get almost to the end and you were like hoping you're going to get on and like your mom would pick up the phone and like just break the connection or... <laughs> You know, yes. it's like, oh, I got to go back through it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, what's the what's the strangest project you've ever worked on? IT related, right? So, the strangest, the strangest project. IT project that you've ever had the fun chance of working on. Boy, that's a tough one. Honestly, I can't think of a strange. I mean, it's, it's been normal, you know, normal stuff. I mean, outside of, you know, uh, I've been doing IT for, you know, 20, 20 some years. Um, and I've done everything from, you know, climbing around the the ceilings of elementary schools in the middle of summer, pulling cable and, and uh, sweating it out. And, well, but yeah, I, nothing that, nothing that I would say would be strange. Well, you know, I'll take that answer because I, I, I don't like attics. Uh, you know, um, every time I get up into an attic, um, I have this fear that I'm going to fall through, right? right? I'm going to hit the wrong yeah. board and just go right through. And, uh, and 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 they always have the tacks up at the top. So, and I don't know if you've ever kind of 
gone up there and gotten hit in your head and just like get attacked and you're like, oh, I'm do I have tetanus? Up. Like, do I need to go update my shot? Like, what's going on? Right. So, well, let me tell you what. If you've never had the pleasure, a uh, pulling cables in a two-story brick school building on a ninety-five degree day is 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 a joy you should experience at least once in your life. Well, so I'll take that as an answer because I don't want to do that. And that is, uh, um, it, it is certainly strange. I, I, I don't like doing it and, uh, and I'm glad I don't have to. <laughs> so <laughs> I got out of there and I, I, I had sweat so much that, that some of my other team members are like, are you okay? <laughs> so speaking, well, speaking of schools, right. Uh, you've worked, uh, for your work for schools, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. I started a little bit about I, that. Yeah, so I mean, I you know, uh, I guess if you if if you look at my college education, I I was a teacher, so I I, wow. I went to school. I, I graduated with a, a bachelor's in uh, business education with a history minor, um, and so yeah, went went into teaching. Um, you know, business education at the time in high schools was really more around like those basic office applications kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I got a job with Grand Haven Schools and um, <clears throat> started in the classroom teaching, you know, Word, PowerPoint, yada yada yada. Um, but I was only an eighty percent teacher, right? So I was I was only getting paid, you know, a you know eighty percent of a salary because I I didn't uh, have a schedule, right? So yeah. you know, what's the best way to get to a hundred is come up with some class ideas. So I I taught myself computer programming, I taught myself web design, I taught myself uh, A plus certification, you know, hardware, nice. network, yeah, that stuff. Um, and, and started doing that and um, became a full, full-time teacher. And then uh, uh, the, the director of technology at the time, had, we had kind of connected over redoing some websites and maybe looking at Moodle, right? For before the whole Moodle. thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Learning management. <clears throat> exactly. So uh, I started working actually in the tech department half-time. I, I split between the two. Uh, this is probably seven years into my teaching career. And then eventually wound up going over the tech department full-time. Um, and then became eventually became the, the the director of instructional technology. So, you know, uh, that's a, you, you know what fascinates me about this story is that when I was when I was uh, um, you know just leaving college and um, I was a, about you know I was like deciding whether or not where I was going to go, and it was right about the same time where we had uh, that the, the you know the tech bubble had had burst. There were no IT jobs, and so I applied. Uh, and actually got a job to be a um, teacher uh, for business technology. There you go. But at the same time, I also got another offer to work on a help desk in a healthcare company. And I went with that one instead. So it's like looking in the mirror of what could have been if I had gone the other way. Right. So that's that's so impressive. I mean, it's amazing to kind of see that. So you worked your way up through the school, uh, uh, um, being a teacher and then basically morphed your way into the it department. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, I was a technology coordinator. I handed all of our web stuff. So again, took those web design skills, um, you know, taught myself, you know, how to run a Moodle platform, how to install it, troubleshoot it. I rolled out some of our first virtual classrooms that I actually used, um, just as a learning platform within, we weren't doing remote learning at the time. I right. mean, this, you know, we're going back to 2000, right? So it, correct. Yep. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of went from there. Any opportunity I had, I would, I would volunteer to go, to go learn. So, um, eventually I started learning how to manage windows servers and would learn from some of the other techs and I would go take some, some courses. And then, um, you know, it came time to, to look at virtualization. So I went and got, um, you know, got trained in VMware and did our first 
uh, you know, P to V's uh, and, and virtualized all of our, all of our environment and, and things like that. And then we would come into summertime. And so it was time to, you know, we had passed a bond issue, a 10 year bond for technology. And so we were putting uh, interactive whiteboards in the classroom. So wiring those up, you know, learning all the different, all the different connections wiring, you know, at the time we were, we were reconstructing our, or uh, renovating our HVAC in our building. So all the ceilings were exposed. So it was like, this is a great time. Clear out the old wires. We were actually pulling token ring out. Token ring. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I know, right? Just because, because as you go and, you know, as you go and fix stuff, it's like, you just cut it, leave it up in the ceiling, who cares? And, and you move on. So wow, it was a good idea, a good opportunity, but I, I, I actually punched down um, uh, uh, patch panels and all that kind of stuff and all the ports. And so taught myself how to punch down. And so, yeah, it was really I used to I, I I used to do a tour for this community college. They would bring in their their folks who were getting associates and different and networking, computer science, things like that. And I'd always get asked, so what you know, what kind of certifications do I need? And I said, I, I used to tell them honestly, get as much exposure as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a network tech, you have to understand how the endpoints are going to interact. You're going to have to understand what are those issues that are going to come into the help desk, how to troubleshoot. So any opportunity you get, go go get the certifications you like. But any opportunity you have to work on something if it's outside of your area, jump in and 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 give it a go. Um, it'll it'll only broaden you. So yeah, that that that's kind of how I learned IT. That's that's great advice too, because I get um uh, I get asked sometimes uh um I'll you know speak for uh certain colleges and stuff like that, just small little uh, pieces. And I get asked all the time from folks, uh, you know, that are that are going through these programs, how do I go and, you know, uh, get a job? And how do I, get, you know, how do I transfer and get to, I want to be this and that. And I tell them, I mean, I mean, do, do the work, get the experience. I mean, that's, and it's, and I know it's, it's hard, but like grab a, get your foot in the door and mm-hmm. get somewhere and just start working. And, and, uh, um, and I thought the, the greatest part about this, they were asking me, well, how do I get to the field? I said, well, the great news is, is if you get your foot in the door and you start working and where you're, where you're at, you actually might find that you might like something else or, or, and you might transition to that spot. That's why I absolutely love the, your story because you got in as the teacher and then you re- picked up some extra uh, jobs uh, doing uh, extra classroom stuff with the tech. And you morphed your way basically into that department by doing that on your own. And, and, and that is, I mean, that's commendable. It's exactly what, um, uh, and you can still do that today. It's exactly what a lot of folks did in, back in the day, uh, oh, yeah. even, even having IT degrees and stuff like that, they still had that, but, um, it, but they still got, you know, kind of fell into it. In this in this case, you, you bored your way into it, you know? Yeah, yeah I did. I kind of dug my way, yeah. dug my way there, but yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, you're, I mean, your career is a journey. It, it's not, it's not where you started nor what you intended when I was walking around Western Michigan University's campus in 2000, right? Um, you find these little niches and you find things you don't like and you find things you do like. People ask me all the time, do I, you know, do you miss being in the classroom? Um, and I say, you know, certain aspects, yeah. I mean, for a long time, even after I left the classroom, I coached all of my kids' sports teams and helped out and did all that kind of stuff. Cause I love interacting with kids that way. Right. We're both passionate about the same thing. Uh, do I miss the day-to-day grind or the paper grading and think, no, not, you know, not, <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. Uh, do I miss the late nights and, and not, not necessarily, but um, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not harder work. It's just different work. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. You, but no matter what the, you know, no matter what your opportunity or who you're with, whether it's good or bad, you're going to learn something from it. So 
it's up to you, right, to be able to take from it what you want. You can say this sucks and it can suck. Um, or you can say this is sucks, but I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to do this and, and learn from it, and move on. So I, I, that's a you know truer words ever spoken. I agree with you on that. Uh, um, even bad experience uh, is is experience, and you can learn from it. Um, you know, looking at uh, looking at your stuff here, um, I, I, I was it was like you worked for you worked for schools, and and then also I saw that you're currently working for the city of Grand Rapids. I, this is um, it's one of the things that just amazes me because I don't know a lot about uh, government uh, and how government does IT, right? And not not just not big the local governments and how they and how the cities and stuff do their IT. I I have so many questions for you, right? And I want to start with this. Um, uh, you know, the governments have to put together, the local governments have to put together their budgets just like anyone else, right? And 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 do that. And they have to, but, and, you know, funding is limited to certain spots. How do you work through that? How do you uh, uh, convince and talk to people and say, I need this, you, you know, you got to increase your cybersecurity here. You got to modernize this section. You got to uh, do this. And then what other pieces of IT and this is a, this is a big question, right? After we get through the budgeting one, the next one I want to know is what other pieces of IT do we not know about that government, local government does that uh, we should know about? You know, so yeah, government's different. It was a, it was a unique opportunity to move um, into the, into the role of, of IT manager. And I had a, I had a great mentor um, and, and Paul Klimas, who was the director before Um so government's a little bit different. I've, you know, I, I went from, you know, the, the job in government attracted me because I was still able to give that kind of core of what education is about, right? It's about making people better, community better. And I was able to take that kind of civic mindedness and, and move into a, a larger operation. Um, so there's a lot going on in a government and, and depending on the size, you know, the city of Grand Rapids has got 30 distinct business units. And, and when, and when I say that, I'm not just talking departments that, may have one function. I'm talking about complete lines of business that are, com- that, that are separate and distinct from each other. Um, so part of my, part of my learning was, so how do you manage that? And you have to, you have to figure out what is core to IT. So when you look at my IT operation, I run enterprise IT. It's no different than most IT operations. We handle the connectivity, the endpoints, um, the application, um, and uh, telecommunication, right? So, I mean, those are those are kind of the core. And then we use a federated model, right? So federated autonomy, our, our departments can, um, can engage in technologies that will help further their business, right? Yep. So, um, you know, if the water department has got things that are specific to water or to sewer or to income tax, they can, they can engage in those solutions and have departmental resources, but we provide the core enterprise uh, support for the operation. So part of that is, is you have to give up some control. Yeah. That's just, wow. yeah, to say it, anything that has a plug it is in charge of, which means our smart fridges, our microwaves, our smoke detector, everything connects to a computer. So that logic's out the window nowadays. And I think yeah. a lot of places are finding that is that it can't do it all or it is going to become a roadblock because there's, there, there's only so many resources to go around. So yep. But yeah, we we do a lot of planning around the enterprise. We're we're um, we're full cost al- cost allocation 
uh, chargebacks to the department. So uh, really, we put value judgments around things. So if departments value it, they can engage in it, and we charge them for it year over year. Um, certain things they have to do, certain things they can do. Um, but it's it's trying to it's trying to narrow that that kind of scope down. Um, so that's one big step in the budgeting process. And and two, like you said, as an IT leader, I have to be able to communicate the need of IT as a role, as a function of business, right? So I mean, if 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 I was in the income tax department, if I was in the marketing department, if I was, I would have to go explain why this is so important. I would have to provide the ROI. I'd have to provide the total cost of ownership. How we're gonna how we're gonna support it and and what that looks like for us going forward if we if we don't proceed. So, you know, we made a significant investment three years ago in in kind of I don't want to say right sizing, but but improving our cybersecurity as everyone did as we watched you know government after government we were easy targets because we didn't we didn't yep. have the investment. Um, and come, you know, call it, you know, divine guidance, whatever it is. I've been fortunate to be involved in, in two organizations that truly value it as a business driver. Um, and so the city of Grand Rapids has made significant investments in it and expected their departments to use, I, you know, to use technology for automation, for customer service experience. Um, so it's, it's really fortunate that I'm in that spot that I'm not having to claw up the ramp every time we go to budget time. Right. Um, people, people know that it is important and they, and, and they, they expect good things. And so we were able to deliver on that. So a lot of intentional planning, a lot of collaborative work with departments. Um, we, so before you move forward to the next topic, um, you know, looking into it's pretty interesting too, because if you compare, um, non government it and, and government IT, basically how you described it it's the same problem, right? Because you have, uh, it's essentially shadow IT is what's what you're referring to, which is uh, folks going ahead and just doing what they need to do to get their job done. And, uh, and, and SAS has made it really easy for this to be a thing, right? Because people can just go, Oh, I need a, I need to do this thing. So I'm just going to use this app that's right on there. And so you get this, the SAS sprawl, that were multiple applications and stuff. And what I always thought um, was interesting is, and I and I, and I want to um, take a minute because now I have you and you're, we're having this budget discussion, uh, and we'll figure out how to uh, um, how this integrates in, into the government, local government. What I usually do is when I get into an organization, I will look and work with the uh, finance department uh, pretty closely and figure out, um, okay, send me all the invoices of things and I will go through them and I will find out who's using what, right? Because ultimately, if you're going to do a SaaS app, you got to pay. So that's where it goes, right? That's the uh, that's the core. That's where you're going to find it. Someone's going to be paying something, whether it's through their, uh, you know, a company credit card or whether it's through the uh, actual, um, uh, you know, actual uh, um, invoicing and stuff. It's all going to be, be uh, um, recorded. Um, but in this case, you're saying, well, some of that is actually, uh, um, you know, we we encourage that because, you know, they're, if they can do their own thing, it's not like we have every resource in the book. So that's okay as long as they're following the guidelines of uh, of the normal IT. So the question I ask is, um, how do you control, if it is controlled, um, spending when people are just going and, and doing things? Because you know that maybe uh, um, multiple departments or multiple 
business entity or governmental entities, I don't know the, the legal words yeah, for it, yeah, right? yeah. Um, are going to be having applications that if they just kind of join forces, it would reduce the cost. So that's a great question, right? So, I mean, who, who could ever really control it? And I would love to say just going through invoices, I'd be able to find it all. But people put it on their P cards. It gets mislabeled. It get, I mean, you name it. And then we have, and then we have, you know, the the uh, people who are in search of free. Nothing's free. Nothing's so free. you know, they <laughs> you're always giving up something. There's a cost coming, and it's coming down the road. Right? <laughs> um, and uh, but no, so it is. It is kind of shadow IT. And so in government, we do what government does best. We put governance around it. And so there are there are um, you know, in order to take forward and, and make procurements, they have to come through commission. They have to come through our, our finance department, our purchasing department. Um, and they are the gatekeepers. So yes, I absolutely align with, with, with fiscal. I always say, follow the money, right. Yeah. And just, yeah. you know, invite them out for beers, bring them over for a potluck, you know, have, have, <laughs> a, but yes, yeah, stick with fiscal. <laughs> um, but but we have we have uh, like a, we have an, an IT leadership group that that represents our main branches public services public safety uh, uh, executive leadership things like that that talk through what things need to be on the roadmap where we need to make be making investments and then we also have a technology coordination group with our purchasing department any investments that the that the city is going to make in technology has to come through that group for approval before it can go on to a commission agenda. And so that's our opportunity to say, what are you doing? What does this do? Explain it to us. Explain to us total cost of ownership. You know, what is what is the uh, return on investment? And I get a lot of looks like, what do you mean? Like, okay, go Google it and then come back. <laughs> but but they have to come, they, they, they have to bring that business case forward. And then that's our opportunity to say, well, you know, Water's doing something similar with mobile, you know, with with mobile GR. What, look, go talk to them and see if that is going to be a fit for you, and then maybe we'll, we'll consider this. So we do have some controls and, and governance there, and we do have policies that say, you know, again, uh, departments cannot cannot procure their own their own internet or email services because we have to have retention. We have to be able to provide mm-hmm. you know, for FOIA. So there are there are some policy things that guide people into the enterprise apps, telecommunications. You can't do your own. So there are certain ones you have to come on board with us. And then if there if there's an exception, then we can escalate it up to executive leadership and they can make that call. So um, we do what government does best and, and we use uh, red tape. Well, that's, <laughs> no, that's actually, I mean, they don't, listen, they call it governance for a reason, right? And, uh, and, and actually, that's actually a fantastic way to control it as well. I mean, uh, you know, putting a governance body and saying, hey, this is, you need to do this up. That's great because you're you're forcing people to really think about the solutions that they have rather than just go out and grab a solution and keep working, right? Um, and, it does, and really, you know, really not just <clears throat> what is you know what is the next cool solution I want to grab, but have you thought all the way through it? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the support model? If you're going to have users on it, who's 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 resetting passwords? You can't just procure it, throw it at me, and say good luck and walk away because that's coming back at you. Yeah. But I mean, that's when we can engage as I spent a long time over the last three years um, in this role, changing IT to the department of yes, if, right? We, we can't be the department of yes, because it's not always going to fit, but I can say, yes, we can do this if you can do X, Y, and Z, or if you can show me X, Y, and Z. And so, you know, if you're going to engage in cloud and SaaS, is it in a gov cloud? Are, are we meeting FedRAMP? 
um, you know, hey, we've we've got single sign-on. Will it work with with Azure AD? And then we can control passwords and and make your user experience better. And so a lot of departments appreciate that because there are things that they would never even think about asking. And so we help them through that process. So we we try to pull up alongside of them as as more of a strategic partner than than uh, you know the IT department telling you no all the time. The department of yes, if, uh, yes, if. I guarantee you, I, you know, they will pull clips from this and, and put on this. I guarantee you that'll, that's probably going to be their, the, the clip that they pull is the department right. of yes, if I love that. That's fantastic. I stole it. I, I, I stole it. It's not mine. I, I, I took a leadership course, uh, with, uh, with ICMA, um, which is a, a city management organization. And so it was around IT and, and and that was one of their, that was one quote that was like, yes, that that's what I'm looking for. Yes. Yeah. You could do whatever it is that empowers your department. If, if, and then here's our, if you have to meet the security, that's a great, thing, but it's a great, uh, um, it's a great way to describe it, you know? And it's, uh, I, I was, I was pulled in, I, I taken over, a, um, a help desk, uh, as a, you know, I was managing a help desk. And, um, and they were having lots of problems and, and the IT director pulled me aside at the time and, and this while back and he said, he goes, uh, you know what this help desk is right now? And he writes the help desk on the, on the whiteboard and he said, and he puts no in front of it. He goes, it's the no help desk. That's what people think. And he goes, this is what I need you to change, you know? And it it just stuck, right? Because it was like, yeah, (laughs) it's some, if you call up and every time the answer is no, 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 no then people are going to stop coming to you, right? right? And I love the yes, if, because it's yes, under some conditions, right? Yeah, I mean, we had, you know, we have, you know, now that we've we've done a, a, a big migration into cloud with, with Microsoft, and so we get a lot of app requests to connect different apps to our, our O365 environment, right? And so we had someone make a request, and it was this, this app, Anyway, there was a whole cost, a, a hidden cost structure to it, right? That if, if I went down this road, I wouldn't be able to predict the costs and it would be open and available and somehow I would get stuck with it. So I said, no, but here is, here is an app in O365 that does all the exact same stuff. I did screenshot, showed it to them. So it wasn't necessarily saying no or in, in that user. It, it was more about how I said no. It was more, no, we can't use that one, but here's one that gets you your needs. Yeah. So it's trying to understand the business need and then bringing IT alongside of it. That's always been kind of my niche. That that is that's the way to do it because you got to understand what process, uh, mm-hmm. what the processes are, what they're trying to do. You know where where does the information going? And then once you do that, you can layer the the, the technology on top of that. And uh, you know, and if you try to do it the other way around, you end up uh, trying to you know, create odd processes to fit a a solution that doesn't work for you. So, yeah, no, I think that, that, that's the right way to, that's the right way to do that, Doug. I, I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent on board on that. Um, yeah. So I guess the, we answered a lot of pieces actually to that question and then on there and we want a great tangent. I absolutely loved it. So, so it, it sounds to me, um, and I, you're kind of opening my eyes to this government IT, which is, you know, you've got the central core of IT that can it got a, a predefined amount of resources and can it handles the the core infrastructure. And I say infrastructure with a little asterisk now because infrastructure is a little bit different. It's not a physical thing now. Sometimes, right? It's it's it can be it can be in the cloud. It can be uh, part of stuff. It, it's actually controlling the. Uh, um, it's actually honestly, to use your term, uh, controlling the governance 
of IT in itself, right? It's, you know, we're going to, we're going to be the central identity. We're going to uh, connect in. Uh, and if you're going to plug into, plug into us virtually, this is how you do it. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I, I think that that's a good way to look at it. And, and actually, if you look at that from a, a model of uh, departments and, and internal IT and businesses, it's the same kind of concept. You know, mm-hmm. it's just it sounds to me like they're, you know, they they do what they do well, which is bureaucracy. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, for a good purpose. It is. Yeah. It is. It is for a good purpose. I mean, yeah, you look at you look at at my role. I, I'm I'm basically building a playground for the rest of the city to play on. And that's my yeah. role is to maintain the equipment. Right. But you get down to the department level and you see some amazing things going on. I mean, you get down to engineering and you think about I mean, Grand Rapids is a is is a medium sized city. Um, you know, we always say that, you know, Grand Rapids is the second largest city in Michigan, but there's a big gap between one and two, right? So we're, we're, we're a, a, a mid-sized business, but how do you keep track of road conditions and uh, linear assets? And I mean, there's some amazing things going on in our departments, a lot of really good work. People have learned to use not just our tools, but integrate their tools into ours. Um, and we've got some just, I mean, some really cool stuff that, that, that some of our departments are doing. Uh, Mobile GR is engaging in um, autonomous vehicle pilots and uh, scooter shares and ride shares. And I mean, all this kind of stuff. And uh, we're, we're getting into um, data analytics, right? Everyone needs data analytics. And so we're trying to, again, build that playground around uh, data lakes and data warehouses and things like that. So there's some really cool stuff in the actual departments. And that's our job is to play the offensive line. You'll never know we're there, but we 100% had everything to do with every touchdown you score um, kind of a thing. So we, we, we drift in the background. I also talk a lot in, in, in analogies. I apologize. <laughs> I, listen, I do too. Uh, <laughs> That's sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but you know, but no, I think it's the best way to, it's the best way to uh, take a very complex problem a that's complex true. idea uh, and and break it down into something that's a little bit more palatable, right? Um, and 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 you're not the only one that does this. I mean, uh, you know, uh, um, on my off time, I I you know watch YouTube videos about quantum mechanics because yeah. I'm a nerd, right? And <laughs> that's what I like to do in my downtime. You know, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? I'm side. <laughs> my, my wife goes, oh, what, what, what science thingy are we going to watch now? Right. So, right. Um, but no, it's, you know, in, in they, in there, in every science type video and stuff like that, that they do, they're always, let me explain this really hard to get concept in a fun little, uh, you know, uh, analogy and, and it, and does work. It, it does, you know, building that model does work. It does simplify it a bit. You have to make sure that um, you're like, hey, simplified, this is it. But, it's a lot more detailed. Um, right. I love, uh, you know, um, I love that you, first of all, are in Grand Rapids and that you're talking about data lakes because aren't, aren't you guys like got, you guys got a ton of lakes up there, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we're, I mean, actually, I, I live in Grand Haven, which is about 30 miles outside of Grand Rapids, but I'm, I'm two miles from Lake Michigan. I, we, we've got an inland ocean, you know, yeah. a freshwater ocean. Obviously not the same thing, but why why miss the opportunity to point out the Great Lakes there uh, and uh, and then talk about data lakes? Because I don't think well, I've talked about data lakes on this show. I know we've talked a little bit about uh, uh, data uh, analytics and pieces and stuff like that. But there is so much involved in taking 
disparate information from multiple systems and funneling it into uh, um, a, a, a system where people can report on it. Uh, yeah. um, and I don't know if you want to take some time here to uh, to dive in, dive into the lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we're, right now, I mean, we're just doing some pilots and, and things like that, but yeah, we've got all of these departments have got these, these sources of data and some, some tied together, some would work well together and some may provide those insights that you've got to really tease out. Um, but how do you get all those things together? Right. So we have a couple of departments that are, are going down the road of doing some data analytics for dashboarding and, and some public information. And so we're using that maybe as an opportunity to build um, in, in, in unstructured data lake um, in, in Azure using Power BI. Again, trying to use COTS tools. Um, you start getting off, you're getting niche, and suddenly you can't find support and, and, and things like that. Because um, we're only an IT department of two people. Uh, we use we use contractors for everything else, and so sticking to those COT solutions and finding ways to work them um, is is really kind of a big thing. But yeah, so again, just trying to tease some of that out and and finding those 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 resources. Honestly, finding the resources is the hard part. I mean, they're it's it, it's it, it's they are in short supply, and, and um, they're not cheap. Either. No, oh yeah, can we get a couple of college kids? No, you can't. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can, but it's going to be real ugly. But you know, so, but you know, Grand Rapids is 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 got a. I mean, it's kind of a small tech hub that we are surrounded by some really good IT providers, and so that's why we went down this road. Right? Is is uh, we went to an IT as a service model to leverage all this great talent around us. Right? I mean, we were getting that's poached great. left and right, um, and when your turnover rates 40 percent, you're you're constantly in onboarding and never in in in, in innovation. So. Uh, we we decided to ride the tide, you know, and 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 use all this great talent around us, and so that's helped us get to some of these problems that I don't think we would have ever gotten to. Um, so I'm I'm very curious to see where this goes. It's kind of in that nebulous, like the pilot's going well, but how will it how will it scale? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so we we we've got a couple of cool opportunities out there um, to see where where it can go. Well, it's amazing too because um, you know you you put together. Uh, a, a you know a data warehouse, a data lake, you know, and you and you start to uh, um, take this disparate information and, and and put it and put it together, and you have to remember that it's not a uh, um, it's not a, a destination you get to right yeah. because uh, once you get it working and and then you get it uh, to a point where people can actually use it. Uh, that's when it becomes more fun, right? Because now they're starting to use it and they're going, oh, wait a second, this data doesn't match up with this data. And wait, I'm getting wrong information over here. And then you're starting to correct that data. And then people can introduce brand new data and they need to integrate that with it. So it is a uh, constant evolution and a and you've now created a thing that you need to keep going. Uh, and and that's the that's the one thing. And when the people say, you know, what's a data like cost and all that type of stuff, it's like, well, it's an investment, continual investment, right? Because yeah. you're going to be you're once you get it rolling, you're going to get you're going to get a return out of it. Because you're getting now, you got a whole bunch of data. You're gonna be able to see a bunch of things and everything, and people are gonna love that, and they're gonna use it more. So not only is it gonna stress out the resources, it, it, people are gonna want to uh, go. Oh, can you add this in there too, so I can get this, and and then it becomes uh, uh, more complex and 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 stuff. So it's one of those things that's uh, if you get it, if you're successful, it becomes more work. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, that's the 
but I mean, that's the good thing, right? And, and yeah. we, you know, our model has empowered our department. So we've got one department leading the charge, but actually it could scale outside of their department and into the enterprise. Correct. Uh, but, you know, we have, we have a value, you know, we have, we have city values. One of those is around collaboration. So, you know, you look at maybe water department data, but then we've got some partners that are working with consumers energy. And so, and even outside data sources coming in and taking a look at, at how some of that might work towards driving efficiency or planning investments or uh, where maybe there's some disparate outcomes, you know, based on socioeconomic uh, data that we can pull in. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's super cool, but right now it's kind of like the lost highway. We don't know where it's going quite yet, mm-hmm. uh, but we've got, we've, we've got some good energy behind it. So I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that being kind of the next. Oh, I am. So yeah, I'm excited for you. It's a great project to work on and, and it's, and it's challenging and amazing. Once you get it working, it's going to be fantastic. And it's going to be like, uh, um, uh, kids looking at one, one kid that has a candy bar and being like, I want that candy bar too. And they're, they're going to be uh, itching to get into that, uh, that data lake and get, and get that information. Oh, they got this. I, I need this too. I mean, that's what's eventually, I, you know, that's my guess. That's my, uh, uh, um, my vision of what's going to happen. And, uh, and, uh, and I think it's going to make you busy, yes. <laughs> so, which, is which is good, which is fantastic. Yeah. So just another fun little challenge. That's awesome. I know. I, I don't think we've actually spoke about, uh, um, you know, that kind of a, in the depth about data on here, but it's so big. I mean, uh, um, I know so many people, uh, that their data, is the gold of their uh, um, organizations and certainly the government um, and and having that uh, having the ability to report on it in multiple different ways and um, I mean a spreadsheet can go so far right you know uh, there's only so many times you can uh, you can stress out a a v, a v lookup or 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 a pivot table right before you're like I need something else. And, uh, and this is that, that's, that's pretty impressive. And, and I, I think that trying to get that to work is, is, uh, and getting it to work is going to be a great thing for you. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and, you know, the tech is, I mean, I don't want to say the tech is easy, right? Because we've got, we've got some great partners that can help us put it together. But I think our big, our big step forward is going to be, how do you ask the questions? Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, it's not just, Ooh, I want my, you know, I want to, I want to look at data. Well, what are the, what are the questions you want to answer? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure. Okay. Go away. Think about that and come back when you have a question. Um, Cause that, that, I mean, everything else in between in the, in the data analytics model, you know, between um, you know, where are your data sources and what are the questions you want to answer? And then finally at the end with, um, and and what what are you going to do with the outcomes that you've that you've exactly everything else in between can be commoditized, mm-hmm. but those are those key things the organization's got to wrap their head around. So I, th- I think it's going to be an, an, an interesting thought exercise. We've got some great people um, in, in in our departments that have different perspectives. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, I'm, well, I'm you know I'm, I I hope you come back and give us an update on that eventually when that happens. Cool. Um, you know. Uh, uh, um, sticking into this, uh, this thing, um, you you mentioned that uh, you helped led the transformation uh, um, from uh, uh, to, to basically infrastructure as a service, right? It, uh, and then I I LinkedIn you, <laughs> I went and LinkedIn and got some stuff, and and it says on here that you you know you you helped lead the transformation uh, to infrastructure as a service, um, and uh, uh, the migration to the Microsoft government cloud. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I'm so interested. Uh, can you speak to this? Yeah. So, I mean, infrastructure as a service we use, um, I mean, we have, a, we have an on-premise data center, but we began looking at uh, private cloud first, um, you know, looking at backups, uh, running some small environments mm-hmm. to take a look at, at, at what was um, what was possible and what the, you know, what, what speeds might be like and, you know, what, what are those hurdles we'd have to overcome. Um, and we've got a great partner in Grand Rapids, um, but we've, we've got, we have one department, um, the, the police department that went down um, doing electronic records. And so that was a huge data dump. I mean, you had a huge data dump. Um, and so how do you, how do you scale effectively without, without overscaling when you have an unpredictable monthly growth? I mean, we're, we're talking, you know, terabytes a month. Wow. Wow. Um, with, with, with retention rates of forever. Um, so it's like this line that goes up. And so I mean, you're either, you're either in constant procurement mode doing capital procurements, right. Or, or you move it from CapEx and you move to OpEx and you have yeah. a partner that is, that is, that is able to scale because they have a customer base that needs them to scale. Right. So similar to why we went to it as a service, we went to vendors who have motivation for their staff to be certified top of their game, um, and, and professionals because it's a commodity for them. Similar, similar motion here, um, and and kind of went down that road of of uh, moving that data over just to be able to give them that that scalability of hey, I need, you know, I need another ten terabytes, another twenty terabytes, and I need it replicated, and I need it sent off site somewhere else in the country. Um, and so we were able to partner with someone that had a great network. Um, we're able to store things um, all over the state. Um, so it, it kind of gave us that, that, that kind of flavor. And now we're, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of transitioned into the Microsoft gov cloud. We've always been O three sixty five, but now we're starting to use workloads in the cloud, in the, in the Azure cloud, mm-hmm. you know, first it was around COVID around resiliency. Yep. So, as, you know, as COVID was hitting, of course, you know, it's always the double tap, right? So we've got, we've got a crisis here comes bad, you know, bad actors. So what, you know, what happens if they ransom our data? Yep. <laughs> well, no big deal because we can just survive off 0365. And I said, if you can log in, right. But all of our domain controllers were in that data center. So you can't log in. Yeah. The whole- <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Can't do and that. So, and so we, you know, we started looking at cloud as, 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 as a resiliency tool. And now we're starting to move workloads and, and testing out what does that look like for maybe blob storage in, yep. in our um, how do we get to immutability and, and things like that. So, um, so that's, so this, okay. So there's some yeah. great things that you're throwing out here. So let's, let's break it down a little bit. So, um, you know, first of all, let's, let's address the fun little storage in the cloud, right? So we all know storage in the cloud is extremely expensive, right? Um, and so you, so to, to move storage into the cloud, um, usually people have to identify what type of storage, the retention, in this case, zero. <laughs> You're, we're going to retain it forever. You know, right. there's, there's not any, uh, um, we're, we're not going to, it's not going to be seven years or whatever. It's, this is forever retention. So now what you're saying is we've got some data that's going to go on there, but you got some data that's old that's probably not going to be accessed as much as the newer, fresh data. So how are you handling that? How are you reducing that storage cost and getting it, uh, um, getting like the fresh data in one spot and maybe the, the, the data that is uh, not so fresh, but still needs to be retained. It could be accessed, but not accessed a lot in another spot. 
That, uh, honestly, that's where we are. Um, so yeah, we've, I mean, we have a, we have a private cloud, so it's not in the Azure Gov cloud. It, it's in our private cloud. So we don't have the cost of up and down. Um, we just have the cost of overall storage, but with that came options, right? So we've got, we've got gold, you know, gold level storage for production data. We've got archival storage, um, that, that it's running slow spinning disc. We've got offsite backup type storage, um, um, that, that's, so we've got these different pots that we can move things into, but you're asking the, the exact same question. We've got, we've got data that we're predicting in the next, um, you know, the next five or six years, we could be, we, we could broach the petabyte level and we're, oh, we're, we're, we're a small, we're, we're a mid-sized government, but so to your point, so what is the stuff that hasn't been touched in the last seven years? What is the stuff that we just have to retain just to retain mm-hmm. for compliance? Um, and what is the stuff that has to, and so, yeah, we're starting to get into, so what are our data classifications and how are we moving that around? That's exactly where we are right now. Cause it does, you start to watch that bill go up and you're like, man, I'm doing an Excel spreadsheet. That's a scary number. And they, at the end of two years, right? So it really is. And that's, and that's what seems to, you know, when people move to the cloud, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great piece, but you got to have a, that strategy behind it. If you're going to see that growth, right. If you're going to see that exponential growth, and uh, you, you got to put together retention. You got to put together, okay, where do we archive this, move this off and everything? It sounds like you, you're already on top of it, which is fantastic. Um, so, so that's not there yet. We're trying to get there. <laughs> well, you, you understand, you, you already identified, you did a, you did a big thing. You already identified, you got a spreadsheet together and said, oh, this is going really high, right? So we need to get in front of it. And, and you've already had those discussions in that talk. And, and, and it sounds like that's, you're going the right way. Um, it, it, you know, it, it is a natural progression. You move stuff up in the cloud and then you watch your storage go through the roof and then you're like, oh, wait a second, you know, and, and the clouds like that too. Uh, it's not static. It's like, um, you know, you, you could, for on-premise infrastructure, you get, uh, you know, you get a beefy server with a lot of storage in it and you go, all right, put this on here. Oh, we need more storage. All right. Tack on a NAS, right? Oh, we need, oh, we're, we're really hitting the storage. Okay. Give me a good sand, pop that stuff. And you just keep big and bigger and bigger. But in cloud, it's not the same. Right, because you're not doing that on-premise infrastructure, so you have to kind of plan where you're moving these items and where you're going to store them, and and so you're already getting there. So you you, you get it, and, I, and and that's actually commendable to be able to you know go okay, I already identified where we could be, and now we need to find now we need to put together a strategy to do that. That's that's great, and it's data classification anyway too. So not only does it it serves two purposes. One, you get a, there's a cost, uh, you can reduce cost by doing it, and you can also Get your data class classified and set up correctly, and then you've you've killed a um, a compliance requirement, right? So it's like two oh, birds with one oh, stone. You can get there with a, with 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 compliance, um, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, you force you force the decision point, right? Mm-hmm. So in our in in our in our budgetary model, if if a if a department says, well, I want every computer to have this program, not a problem, but there's a cost you have to evaluate. So again, here, if you're going to put data up into the data lake, you've got to assess the cost of what that data is. Yeah, understand the nuances of, well, if it's cloud to cloud moving, it's not going to cost you anything. But if it's cloud to ground or if it's ground, you know, it, now it's going to cost you something to bring it down. How many reads, how many writes? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there is some magical, like, calculator you can do and it's going to, it, it can give you your cost, but 
anyone that's been in the heat of the battle knows it's never going to be precise. It's no, like, it won't be, but you just have to kind of get it, get it close enough uh, to make that, that, uh, um, that estimate. It doesn't have to be precise. It just needs to be in the ballpark. Uh, and then if it's in the ballpark, you, you know, okay, I got to take this stuff and move it somewhere else. Uh, so I have it and you, and you'll get there. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting that this move to cloud is interesting, uh, um, for a whole bunch of organizations and not just government because uh, you've got small businesses doing it. And then as they grow, they grow really quickly. And then they realize, Oh, I need to put together a storage. Uh, I need to put together a storage uh, uh, piece or I, you know, I, I move stuff to the cloud and I've got um, solutions that need to integrate with it. And now I need to figure out how to plug those in as well yep. securely. Uh, right. And, and that's why I loved that you mentioned that you had the SSO running because that's a big, that's a big deal right off the bat. Um, how are you, uh, well, it's probably, the answer is probably SSO, but, um, is that how you're also enforcing like MFA requirements and such? Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Yeah. So yeah, we, we've, we've, we've put those things behind there. Um, and again, it, it was more of a, it was more advantageous for departments to have not a thousand different passwords to remember or logins or so here's the advantage, but in order to do that, you've got to do MFA, right? So, yeah. and by, and, you know, so we were able to pull off MFA um, in like 60 days. Um, it was, it, it, it was ruthless compliance. If I can quote a guy <laughs> I used to work with Dave's nursing, ruthless compliance. Um, so, you know, people were like, well, I don't want to do MFA. Sounds good, man. Here's a paper and pencil. Go work, go, go sit at your desk <laughs> and color, you know, whatever you got to do. But um MFA is required now. I mean, it's, that's a requirement. If you're not on MFA, you are. And this is a disclaimer for all the business folks that are listening to this. Uh, I know the IT folks know it, but the business owners, the business uh, 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 folks that are trying to understand how to better their business with, through IT, MFA is a requirement. It's no longer an option. If you're not on MFA, hackers are targeting you. Uh, you know, malicious hackers, they're, they're there. You know, all it's yeah. If you're if you're not doing two factor, and if you're not doing, you know, you know, we're rolling out MDM now. So I get trying to enhance policies, but yeah, if you don't have a patching cadence and if you don't have two FA in place, I mean, yeah, you're just, I mean, you're literally sitting out there hoping someone comes at you. When um uh when you're doing the uh, um, I actually want to take a, a quick little deviation here, um. One of the things you mentioned, and I really liked it uh, because you mentioned it earlier on that yeah um, that uh, when you were a teacher you were doing the coaching, right? Yeah. And then when I looked on your LinkedIn, uh, and uh, sorry for the by the way for the program piece, sorry for the quick jump over to this, but I really wanted to cover it. Um, okay. I, but the uh, y- you also mentioned LinkedIn that you one of your skill sets was coaching and mentoring, mm-hmm. right? Uh, near and dear to my heart. I absolutely love passing on knowledge and, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, uh, to hold on to it. As soon as I learn something, I teach as many people as I can so that we can, you know, grow. Uh, and, uh, um, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is so that I can help educate. Um, so the, so let's talk about coaching and mentoring and, and, uh, and what that means to you. I, I mean, honestly, I'm sitting here today doing the things that I do, doing the things I love because people took time out of their day. Um, I mean, I am I am a result of people putting time and investment into me, right? 
not, not just professionally. I mean, coming up, I mean, I, I, I played sports. I was in Boy Scouts. It was, you know, I was raised by, by a community. Um, and that, and that, and that's time, that's time away from, you know, a lot of these coaches that I had coming through school and, you know, even coaches that I, I'm watching coach my kids now, that's time with my kid away from their kid. I mean, that's, I mean, that's an mm-hmm. investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, without that, I don't know, I don't know who I would be truthfully. And so I think it's important to give back. Um, and so I oftentimes feel like I'm, you know, I might be running a little bit at the mouth if someone has questions, because again, I want to give that knowledge back and I'm, and, and people will tell you, I mean, one of my, it's a corny line that I, that we did, uh, I shouldn't say it's corny because it's gonna make it sound bad, but yeah, corny uh, is my favorite. We did, we did a, we did a program called capturing kids hearts. Right. So it was this whole thing around, you know, how do you, how do you get kids to understand that, that you care about them? Cause you know, they'll, they'll never learn until they know how much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was this like tagline, it was my goal is your success. And I still use that today um, because at the end of the day, we are all in the people business. I don't care. I don't care if you're, if you're, we're running a help desk. I don't care if you're in a server room, we are all, in a business of being about relationships, how we interact with our coworkers, our customers, our, our executives, the people around us, the people in the parking lot. And so it's important to give back to those relationships. And so, um, yeah, any way I can, I, 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 I do try to give back volunteering with my, my kids teams or in classrooms or, um, you know, like I said, I used to give tours and, and work with, with community college kids. Um, you know, and then if there are people, Within our organization now, I meet with people, you know, at different times. I just want to sit down and chat IT and, well, you know, what's the experience or, you know, this is what I got going on. You know, do you have any advice? And and I always, always will make time for that because, like I said, someone did it for me. Um, and, and, you know, to the point where I've had, I've had a couple mentors that, that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And that's, that's a hugely powerful statement. Um, and so that's something I'm, that I'm looking to give back. And I hope, I hope someday someone says that about me. Um, but that, yeah, I think we that's can all fantastic, Doug. It really is. And, you know, growing up, you know, I was in martial arts and, and also yeah. in, uh, uh, long distance running. And I had the, um, you know, the pleasure of, uh, of, of working with some great coaches and great mentors and, and, and both in, in all those organizations. And they do make a difference. They really do. And, uh, to anybody that's doing that, out there and, and mentoring and coaching and whether it be, you know, anything, it, it, it makes a difference. Uh, it might not seem like so at the time, uh, but, uh, these kids will grow up and they will remember, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, the investment and time that you spend on them. And, and if you're in a business and you, uh, um, and you see folks that are up and coming, take the time and, and help them out as well. Because I, I, I think Doug, I think that that's an amazing point to make on this. I, you know, and I think a lot of us in, in IT, I mean, a lot of us, a lot of us are back, back of the house folks, right? We've got front of the house folks, we got back of the house folks. Um, but I mean, the same thing applies. Everyone wants to feel valued. It, it doesn't matter what you're doing. I don't care. I don't care if you're pumping gas. I don't care what, you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to feel valued. So taking that moment to, to recognize the efforts, um, you can get people to run through a wall for you, even as adults. So if you want to have a highly effective team, if you're going to be a highly effective leader, take IT out of it, right? highly effective leader, you have to have those, those, those interpersonal skills to understand what's driving your team, right? Not everybody's going to be a go-getter. 
like you. Not everyone is going to be, you know, some people just want to show up and do a really good job and get a pat on the back. Some people don't want any appreciation. That's me. I like, I don't want, I, I really don't care about the lucite and things like that. Right. So, but you know, some people may not value a salary increase. They just want more time off to spend with their family. Some people really do value um, that, that financial bump. So understanding where those people are at, you can meet them there. You know, they'll run through a wall for you. You'll get that extra productivity out of people. No doubt. You've hit the, you've hit the head on the, um, I would, I, why can't I get that right? You've hit the nail on, nail on the head. Thank you. You hit the nail on the head. Look at Doug. Thank you very much. I appreciate you helping me out there. I could not get that out. And I was like thinking, my brain was like, what is it? What is it? Nail on the head. No, you did. And you hit the nail on the head with that. That was absolutely remarkable. Uh, um, you have to custom. Not everybody is the same. Everyone's going through different things. Everyone has different challenges. Everyone has everything that means different things to them. And you have to, you have to connect with people, you know, and, and, in this day and age, it's a little hard. People need deep in phones and, and, and their, and their computers and they don't, and they don't see it. Take time, connect with people and, and make that actual emotional connection. Um, uh, uh, no, thank you for sharing that. That was, that was great. Uh, I, I do, we're, we're getting close to, um, kind of the end of this piece. I'm going to have to have you back cause you're, you're just, you're fantastic. Um, but I do want to finish kind of with the um, IT crystal ball because it is the uh, is what we do here, right? And I want to uh, specific. I'm going to uh, I'm narrow you down a bit. Sure. What is the future of IT? For and you can either say school or government, right? Local government. I want to go. I want to go that route because you have this unique kind of niche we've operated in these two spots that not everybody's in right and it's a it's a niche environment where you have to learn to do things as you described today different than you would in regular business so if you could tell us uh you know from a crystal ball standpoint what it crystal ball what is the future Honestly, I think I, I think where you're going to see a lot of growth again. We, we've we've got the core of IT, but it's all about experience. <laughs> so whether that be in government and, and whether and, and how you interact with government services, and whether that becomes more personal, but yet automated, right? So as we see Chat GPT, I, I know you said we we don't want to talk. <laughs> AI. Beaten up, right? Nah, but, you can reference it, mean, but but I mean, as you know, at to, to that point we just talked about. Everybody's, you know, we've got a city of 200,000 people that all have different needs. So how do we, how do we get that experience to meet their needs? And, and, and the same thing with kids. I mean, honestly, technology is, is a leveler when it comes to, to, to education, right? It's, it goes back to when, you know, the wealthy and, and, and the churches controlled libraries, they controlled knowledge and now the knowledge is there, but how do we get them off the tickety ticks? I call it. And actually utilizing that knowledge instead of just staring at, at, a, at a doom scroll. So what is that? What is that experience? And how do we keep how do we keep it personal? Because I mean, I mean, honestly, the IT crystal ball, if I would love to see it, is that we is that we get out of our devices. I mean, what you know, what we're doing here and, and what everyone does now, everything's a virtual meeting. Like people don't get together and you miss all the sidebars. You miss all these different things. So uh, we have to find a way to, for, for IT to get personal. And be able to provide some of those things, and I think some of the things that we're seeing can can help in that way. Um, you know, I I I think augmented reality 
is going to be a big thing. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and, and how, how devices can, can interact to maybe bring that, that experience, right. Where you and I can still stay personal, but I can still be getting the questions answered that I have running through my head or, or whatever those things. I can't wait. I, you know, I, uh, um, I have these glasses, they're not smart glasses, but when they come out, you know, they're going to be on my head and then I can just kind of (laughs) read and, and look forward, (laughs) read my notes and look forward, you know, (laughs) No, I love that you said that and, and, and keep it personal and, and, and connect. And, and, uh, when I started, you know, folks that, uh, you know, listening to this, they, they don't, they don't see, there's a little bit of prep that goes on prior to, uh, prior to the podcast. Not a lot. Uh, not a lot. There's just a little bit. Um, I just want to make sure I get his name right and all this stuff. Right. So, um, but, uh, um, there's a little bit of prep and, uh, during the prep, I always kind of talk and I say, hey, um, just so you know, I'm going to leave my camera on so that you can at least see me. You don't have to keep yours on, but yeah, Doug, I appreciate you did. Um, and the reason why I do that is so that um, we, you and I can have a casual conversation, actually look at each other and talk to each other and read our facial expressions um, and and have that kind of that personal connection. So it's good for you to actually, you know, kind of take that and see that piece. And, and I know that all this is going to get turned into a, uh, an audio podcast, right? But I like to see the, um, I like to see the expressions and I like to read the expressions and, and, and work that way. And I feel like it makes it for a better conversation. And I know I, it's, I, I was, I was talking the other day, uh, um, to a group of folks at, at where I work and I, you know, like, you know, 10 people had their, all their videos off and there was like three people with video on. And I said, I guess the guys, listen, I get people are camera shy and I understand. Right. But imagine walking in to your uh, um, place of work in a box with like a little hole where we would communicate with people and nobody could see you just put, maybe put a little picture of you on top. Right. And maybe we're through that hole. I go, is that how like you, you interact with people on a daily basis? It's not right. So I get that you're camera shy, but why? If you're walking in somewhere, you're going to show your face and you're going to talk to somebody live anyway. Right. So you're, you know, that's what you're doing when you don't turn your camera on, you know, right. uh, you know, is that you're, you're giving the feel of, no, I don't, I want to be a behind the corner and not, and not talk to people. And, and that's, and that's, that's not how we've done this over the course of generations. People don't hide behind rocks and talk to people. So I mean, it's the same thing. If you go into a meeting and everyone's got their laptops open and they're not, they're not engaged, they're not present. So if you're not present, go away. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. I've been guilty of it too. I sit and fidget with my phone and just inadvertently, I pick it up and look at it. Like, I have to tell myself, stop, put it down (laughs) and focus on and be, be present with the people around you. Cause if you were the one presenting, you would hate that. You would absolutely hate that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh and yeah. I get it. I get it. No, that's a great, it's, it, it's a great, a great way. And I agree. Uh, personal connection. I hope that is the future that, and I, I haven't had that by the way, in the ITO crystal ball. So you, so you get a, you get nice. a thing that uh, um, personal connection that, that to me would be the best possible outcome for the future. Let's hope for that. An enhanced um, personal connection. Yeah. <laughs> um. Thank you for coming on. Uh, Nerds, this has been Michael Moore hosting this podcast for Dissecting Popular IT Nerds. And I've been here with Doug Stark, Director of Information Technology at the City of Grand Rapids. Doug, thank you so much. Please come again uh, and uh, let us know how that data lake goes. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Michael. Appreciate it. Absolutely.